Why, hello, welcome back to Open to Share. I'm Lee, AKA Birdie, and this is episode two. Episode two brings us a woman who discusses her job and how Joan of Arc helped her to become the woman she is. We also go to Europe for a little Heigenschwendi, I think is how you say it, and stories of how her faith has gotten her through many things. And last but certainly not least, we have Betty and her journey with yoga and Pilates. So take a listen, enjoy, and remember, we all have a story to share. Thanks for being open to share. Thanks for joining us again on Open to Share. This is Bertie, and I prefer to do all interviews anonymously. So I'm going to ask you who is a celebrity or someone you look up to, a female, okay. and we'll call you that throughout the rest of the interview. Mm. <laughs> well, it's not like a a celebrity now, but I oh, guess it's okay. like a historical figure. Um, so Joan of Arc, I always thought she was pretty significant, and she impacted my life like as a child. So. And could you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. How did Joan of Arc impact <laughs> you as a child? Um, so I took French in high school, and I learned about Joan of Arc's story. And I actually got to watch a video that was in French, so I felt like it was kind of more authentic than if you're watching a translation in English. Wait, you knew you learned enough French to watch a mm-hmm. movie in... <laughs> <laughs> Three years of AP Spanish, I could not have a conversation with you. <laughs> now I don't know any French, but then I did. And I really enjoyed her story, and she like stood up for what she believed in. And my childhood was kind of rough. Uh, my parents fought a lot, so there was kind of like a need for escape. And I felt like she was a really good role model because she didn't hide from that. She kind of took her problems head on. And so I tried to take that and make that part of, I guess, my mission for life. I love that. Like, I wasn't even expecting that. That was just, I was like, you're going to be like, I really like Madonna. Call me Madonna. You're like, no, I have legit reason for Joan of Arc. I love this. Okay. And so I kind of told you a little bit about what this podcast is. Do you have something you want to share with our listeners about your life? Um, Sure. So I work in the behavioral health field. And it can be extremely challenging at times. Um, it's very demanding. It's stressful, and you're dealing with humans, and humans are—we're all over the place with our emotions. And we tend to work with kiddos that are having a hard time in life. And sometimes that, I guess, is hard for me as well because I have to, like, I guess, face some of the things that I did as a child. That you did. That I did or went through or experienced, I guess. And it's been, I think, a wonderful, wonderful experience working with all these different families and kids and kind of growing as a person and finding out who I am and how I can use the tools that I'm teaching them or even something they can teach me and use that to kind of move forward in my life. So what is a day in the life of you, Miss Joan? Is it sitting down with families for like counseling visits or is it teaching them tools or how does it? Um, It's teaching skills is the main part of my position. 
So I go to a family's home or I take a kiddo out into the community depending on their living situation and what they have going on. And we focus on learning how to cope with their stress. A lot of it involves family work, so helping Good. the parents understand the kiddo's stress, helping the parents understand their own stress and how that may be kind of impacting their relationship. And so it's anywhere between two to six hours with that family or kiddo a day. And what's, like if you had to just summarize the, the thing you've learned from these families in your own childhood? I would say, I think it's probably a couple things. <laughs> the first one is that we're never alone. So even, <laughs> it may feel like it when we're in those hard times and those places, but there's always someone, something, a place or a thing, anything there that is gonna help you get through that so you're not alone. And the second is regardless of what's happened to you, they're able to move past all of that to become whatever you really want to become. I love it, you are so good (laughs) and so genuine. For your position, is it a four year plus degree? Is it, how did you get into Um, where you're at? So the position I currently have, yes. Um, But I started as a parent aide and that is working with DCS and kiddos who have been removed from their home and helping the family with visits so they get to see each other. So that's like where I started. So wait, removed from the home due to several Mm -hmm. factors, abuse, drug use. Mm -hmm. So the kid is put into a safe place, but they still get to come and have visits with the parents. Because usually the goal is reunification. And so I get to help with that process and kind of teach the parents what they need to do and how they can make changes to have a safe environment or whatever it may be. Okay, let me just ask you this. Do you ever have concerns about putting the child back with the parent? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, the kid was removed, put in a safe place, and and I yes, I get that the parent-child bond, but mm-hmm. how much can a... Is, are the parents wanting to change? Though you experience them that don't, and you just kind of go with them. But then the ones that do, you can tell, and they're usually very determined, and they're reaching out to you, and they're, like, all about just being on top of what they need to get done, because usually they have a list of requirements that they have to go through, and it's a long process that's involved. I thank you so much, not only for chatting with me and us that are listening, but for what you do every day. Like, was your childhood and the things that occurred in your life what pushed you in this direction? Um, I think so. At first, I wanted to be like a police officer and change the world (laughs) and like eventually join like a government agency or something like that. But as I was going to school, I kind of found a different path and I moved here because I used to live in Ohio and I found the job that I have now. (laughs) And I think it's a calling, honestly. Yes. I love it. Oh my gosh. Thank you again, Joan, for speaking with us and... Um, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, and thank you for letting me interrupt your lunch. (laughs) Thank you. Uh Welcome back to Open to Share, and we have another person who's willing to share their story with us. What's some place you've always wanted to go or your favorite place to visit? Well, one of my favorite places to visit is 
in Switzerland. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So let's start there. What, yeah. what place in Switzerland? Um, there's a place called Heiligenschwendi, and it's up in the Alps of Switzerland. And when you go up there, you have to take a, a train, and then you have to take a bus, and you get up to the top of the Alps, and all you see is these green hills with, like, cows and cowbells and little post offices that look like a chalet. Oh. It's absolutely It's, like, gorgeous. idyllic. Oh, it's totally idyllic. And how, I need to know, how did you even get to Switzerland? Well, I went to school over in France on the border of Switzerland, and we had vacations, so we had to go places, and I went to some friend's house. This One of the uh, students that stayed at the school where I was at went to the family's house, and they were actually Vietnamese, and I ended up um, taking this train up. They told me all about Heiligenschwendi, so I took a train, and I went up there, and it was the most amazing thing I've ever done. All right, going to look up pictures <laughs> of this now, but let me, is this college, high school, that what age college. were you? Yeah, in college, yeah. I was probably about 21. Yeah. And let's go back. How did, how did you end up going to school in France? Well... I had um, gone over to Taiwan. I lived in Taiwan for a year, and I was teaching English. I was a student missionary, and I had so much fun. I was um, learning Chinese, and I was like, this is awesome. And I was enjoying the culture and the people and just learning how to enmesh myself into that different culture. And so then I heard about going to this school in France. So I decided, hey, I want to go over there. And I came back home, told my mom, I want to go to France. And she was like, say what? You just got back home. And I ended up going for two years almost. It was fun. And you, so let's, I mean, even that, your parents were like, they were awesome. around the world. They, she didn't really like it, but she didn't want me to go to Taiwan. And then when I insisted and God just worked it out, I mean, one thing after another, my passport and visa came the day before I had to leave. I mean, everything was just like, it was only a God thing. And so by the time she had, you know, tried to hold me back and then she finally said, forget it, you know? So then when I said I wanted to go to France, she was like, okay. And my mom paid for my schooling over there. My mom and dad did. And they... They were just really great, but it was actually cheaper than going to college in the States. Are you serious? Yeah, because I was going to a private college in the States, and it was double the cost of what it was to go there. So it was just a really great experience, and I would just take trains or whatever, really cheap, as cheap as I could, and just kind of hitchhike around sometimes, you know. Oh, don't tell mom that part. <laughs> she already knows. <laughs> <laughs> she would, like, stay awake at night. <laughs> but it was fun. We had a great time. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that wasn't even the story we were going to tell no, today. No, no, Okay, I'm impressed already. Yeah. So is there something you want to share with the listeners? Things yeah. you've learned, experiences? Yeah. yeah. You know what? I, the thing that I would like to share right now is I was, my sister and I were traveling from Colorado to Nebraska. Went to a school there. It was an eight-hour drive. We were in the middle of the winter. It was right after... Um, Christmas break, we were headed back to school, and a blizzard set in, and we ran out of gas. And so we were on the side of the road, and it was cold. It's, you know, Nebraska's pretty cold. So we almost thought we were about just going to kind of huddle together and have our last little moments together. There was no way we could get out of there. It was just white everywhere. And so we didn't want to go outside. The blizzard was too cold. So we kind of just huddled together. And my sister and I, we just prayed. And we said, Lord, you just take care of us. We don't know what to do. We're out of gas. There's nobody coming by. It was absolutely, no, I take that back. It was Thanksgiving. And we were headed home. 
And this guy came and all of a sudden knocked on our window. And all I saw was these, this hand with these half gloves to the knuckle. And he had fingers that were really cold. And he knocked on our window and he said, what's the problem? And we said, we ran out of gas. And he says, don't worry about it. He says, I'll take you. And so we saw him get a chain out, hook it to his old, old pickup. And he hooked the chain to the front of our car with these hands free with nothing on his fingers. And he hauled us all the way into town. It took about a half hour. So we get there and we said, well, what can we do for you? So he says, well, just give me a cup of coffee. So we sat down and we said, how did you know how to find us? And he said, I've just spent the whole night going around seeing who needs help. And so we paid for the cup of coffee, which was nothing. We got the gas, um, and we never saw him. We didn't know where he was. He, he disappeared. We looked, and we couldn't find him after that. And I really felt like there was an angel dressed as this very poor man that came and saved us. It's really neat what you were telling me, how you now have kind of quit your busy job and you're devoting yourself to listening to people's story, which is a gift. Anyway, thank you for thank having you. me as a guest. I appreciate it. And I'm glad we randomly sat by each other. <laughs> yep, there's nothing random, is there? Welcome back to Open to Share. And I found some lovely ladies that were here to have a quick lunch. And I like to start out and ask, who's a celebrity or someone in your life that you just keep kind of close to your heart? Well, my mom, Betty. Your mother, Betty. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. So I'm going to call you Betty throughout the interview. And is there a place you visited that um, is like some place you visit frequently or... Well, a place that I love, I think most places in the whole world, is Esalen in California. It's a, it's a um, kind of a new age, uh, personal growth, uh, energy uh, retreat center right on the coast, uh, just south of San Francisco. Okay, so somewhere in Northern California called, right. say it again. Esalen. Never heard of it, but that sounds amazing. It's beautiful. Uh, they have... Um, hot tubs right on the coast overlooking overlooking the ocean and they have uh, per, per small individual private rooms and dormitories and they have all kinds of teachers who come from all over the world for various things everything from teaching uh, workshops on meditation and yoga and relationships but yeah it's uh, it's been around since the 60s and you know famous famous uh, consciousness transition tra growing practices and teachers go there and so have you been there as a student or as yeah. a teacher as a as a student yeah well I was a yoga teacher but I'm now retired I was a yoga teacher and Pilates teacher so um, that was always a, a fun go-to place to you know freshen up and renew my yoga practice. Was that your full-time job? Yeah. Yeah. It was beneficial. It was very useful for me. Yeah. 
Okay, and what would you like to share with our listeners? Because we're, I don't know what to say. I, but you said that having been an instructor of yoga and Pilates was beneficial to you. Was there a place before you began that? that yeah, okay, what happened uh, that I noticed as, 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 as once I started, I started taking yoga when I was 50. I started teaching it when I was, I got, went through training and I started teaching when I was 52. Um, and prior to that, I had really bad chronic problems with my neck, back. After that, I had none of the old, the old symptoms that, you know, when I tilt my head back, I would get a really resounding headache. So that went away. I can't say that all of the, the problems with my neck, uh, you know, and headaches have gone away, but it, they improved dramatically and of course my strength and flexibility also dramatically increased was there a cause to your neck was there an and injury not well there could have been but I didn't know what it was it could have been one of those multiple times where back in the days when we didn't have to wear seat belts yeah I would <laughs> as a child I would stand Aww. on the front seat my mom would slam on the brakes and I would go headlong into the dash so my guess is that probably contributed. <laughs> Were you doing it just because you thought it was fun? Standing on a seat? Yeah. That was when, you know. Or you were just riding. We were in the yeah. car. We were just yeah. doing our thing. Okay. Yeah. I thought you I were mean, just being a maybe kid, a cantankerous no. kid. Like, hey, no. mom, I'm not sitting down. No, no. We, we, didn't, we weren't forced to sit down. We just got in the car and sat or stood anywhere we wanted. So what is, what is life now? What's mm -hmm. retirement like for you? Continuing to do yoga um, and um, mostly spending good amount of time hiking or taking my therapy dog to our therapy appointments. We go to um, hospitals and uh, retirement centers and take my dog for as a therapy dog. She's just there to just make people happy. How did you get into that? I always wanted to, and I had the most perfect dog for it because she's so smart and so loving. She, you know, so once you know I went through the process of training her. It was just perfect because everybody loves her. <laughs> well, thank yeah. you, Betty. You yeah. are amazing. And I, I have so much respect for you for taking your time to train your dog. Mm -hmm. And do you go into hospitals, you said? Mm -hmm. Retirement homes. Mm -hmm. And do you have a specific story of an experience with your, train, your dog? Yeah. When we go, we go into the VA hospital and we visit with the injured vets, veterans, and more than once they would break down and cry, um, partly because they miss their own dog and, and family, but just the fact is that it's an unconditional loving response and they don't have to do anything, just have to be who they are. and. Um, and then I just listen to their stories. I don't have any opinion. I don't have any agenda. And for them, it's just a way to, you know, emote or let go of some of the built-up traumas and stories. That is amazing because I do have some friends with PTSD that are mm -hmm. in the military. And like you said, just allowing them to be, feel, and to feel safe and share is mm -hmm. such a just a blessing for them and mm -hmm. to have that uh, 
It is, and it's a blessing for me too. Whenever I come back home, I tell my husband about the stories and things like that. Um, of course, they're all anonymous people. I don't ever remember their names because they're. I don't remember which room I was visiting, but sometimes I'm bitten, I meet the same guys over and over, and we kind of get to know each other. I love it. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's good for me. It's good therapy for me, and it's a service that I feel good about. I love it. Well, thank you, Betty yeah. and Kayla, mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. everything you guys do, and I'm. I'm grateful for you for being open to this, mm -hmm. open to share, mm -hmm. and um, I hope you enjoy your day. I will. Thank you very much. Thank you.